0: Well, good afternoon and welcome to Moments with Christ. I'm Lusky Green, your host, and we certainly hope that our podcast today will be helpful and beneficial to you. And may the Lord bless you with the message today. Well, our study today is going to begin in Luke chapter 11, verse 14, down to verse 20. Now, he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. But some of them said, he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you with the concept that the Jewish leadership and the common Jewish man had for the coming Messiah, being that he would be a military force to reckon with, and he would defeat all the enemies of Israel, including the Roman Empire, and he would kill the Roman Emperor and he would establish his kingdom, a restored kingdom of Israel, and it would never come to an end. So they were expecting a salvation from their political enemies in the uh, in the world, in the physical world. And Jesus is coming as Messiah, and he is coming to defeat Israel's enemies in the spiritual realm. And since Israel did not recognize a spiritual kingdom, but only an earthly kingdom with an earthly king and an earthly army and an earthly throne in Jerusalem from which he would rule all the nations, And all the nations would be under his feet and therefore under Israel's feet. And the salvation of Israel would be that the kingdom of this Messiah would never come to an end. That's what they were expecting. And that's what Jesus did not deliver. And because that's what they were expecting, they refused to recognize him. As Messiah, he said to his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, uh, Jeremiah, Elijah, or one of the prophets. Well, okay, anybody but the Messiah. And so he turned to his apostles his followers, those that were following him, he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter got it right. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now he was expecting the same thing everybody else was in Israel was expecting. He was expecting a political messiah with a material army crushing the enemies of Israel, bringing Rome under Israel's feet and reigning on the throne of David in Jerusalem forever. That's what he was expecting. And so Jesus told them what was going to happen. And the thing that was going to happen was he was going to Jerusalem to suffer by the hands of the, the priest and the scribes and be crucified, die And on the third day, rise up again. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, this will never happen to you. Now, he was confident that that was not going to happen. He was confident enough that he would look the Messiah that he confessed just a few moments ago in the eye and tell him, no way no way are you going to suffer and die you're you're the messiah you're you're the christ the son of god you you're coming to destroy our enemies and 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 overcome evil of our enemies and and put them under your feet you're going to remove the roman uh you know torture that they have on us and and you're going to subdue them and you're going to you're going to actually kill the emperor All this come from the Dead Sea Scrolls of what Israel was expecting from the Messiah. And Peter believed that so strongly that he would rebuke the Son of God to his face. Since that is the historical background and the cultural context that we find Jesus here now speaking, to these Jews that are seeking a sign, and the Jews that are uh, blaspheming against him, saying he by the power of Beelzebub is casting out demons, Jesus is making a, a declaration of truth statement. He says, If it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then, here's the consequence, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Not the kingdom you're expecting, but the kingdom of the mind of God. You see, Peter was minding, was paying attention and set his mind on the things of men, what they taught and what they believed. And not on the things of God, which Jesus was performing and teaching about in their presence, and they missed it. So I want us to, with that backdrop and with that cultural background, let's look at Luke eleven twenty closely. If it is by the finger of God... Another text of Scripture says, if by the Spirit of God I cast out demons. And so we might, we might say that just by a part of God's total being, he cast out demons. What has happened as a result of that? He cast out demons, and the, the people see that he cast out demons, but they didn't see demons they saw the result of the demon's rule over a human body but they it's a spiritual it's a spiritual power it's a, a spiritual entity and fleshly eyes can't see them they can see the result of the demon's possession but they can't see the demon Now, this is important because what you see with the fleshly eye is what they're expecting. They're expecting a material kingdom. They're expecting a material king with a material army. And Jesus is saying, If I cast out by the finger of God demons which are evil, and I have power to execute judgment upon the demon and cast him out of that person and therefore defeat the enemy of that person... Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Evil is conquered by the king in the kingdom of God. The Messiah has come. The kingdom has come with him, and it has come upon you. This Messiah, this Christ, the son of the living God, which Peter confessed, not understanding a thing about what the kingdom from God's point of view, really is, but only from man's point of view, he rebuked the Son of God. That's a fact. And so Jesus is now revealing through the statements that he's making concerning the power that he's demonstrated, he is demonstrating the power of God in the Messiah to defeat, crush, and overcome Evil. So, how do we integrate this into our thinking today? Because so many people believe that Jesus, the material king, is going to come and every eye, that is the fleshly eye of the human body, is going to see them and he's going to conquer the enemies of Israel and he's going to set up a material kingdom on the earth for ever reigning from forever being a thousand years forever with his throne being in Jerusalem and all his enemies are going to be a footstool under his feet well if the material king didn't come in the first century he has to come at some other point in time to fulfill the i seeing him then we have to begin to think about what is Jesus really saying about the kingdom of God here? Is he not saying that the power of God has overcome evil in the people that he cast out demons? Well of course he is. And so when he says that proves that the kingdom of God is here, now it has come. You're seeing it, but you're not seeing physical, you're seeing the result of spiritual things taking place in the kingdom of God. I want us to really nail down this idea of perception, seeing the kingdom of God. Because I believe that Jesus said to the people that he preached the gospel of the kingdom that they needed to repent and believe in the gospel of God. And when they don't repent, and the gospel of God is, in fact, the gospel of the kingdom, and the kingdom that Jesus is preaching and teaching and demonstrating is a spiritual kingdom rather than a material kingdom, they need to repent and change their mind about how they see the kingdom of God. And if they don't make that change of mind, change of perception of their spiritual eye, and a change of heart to believe in the one who is teaching them the gospel of the the kingdom of God and trust in the king in that kingdom and believe that the kingdom that he is bringing to come upon them is the kingdom of salvation over the evil that dominates their spiritual life. And that would be the domination of sin and wickedness and iniquity. The wickedness of man was prevalent all over the world. And when when the Messiah comes with the kingdom that can what we should, defeat the, the iniquity and defeat sin and, and, and defeat all the evil that man has become so that now he is in the kingdom and that has been answered. The the sin has been covered, the iniquity has been removed, and, and relationship with God in the kingdom of God, completely reconciled. That's the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. But you can't see it if you're looking for a material kingdom. You can't perceive of it if you're looking for a literal material war against the enemies of God's people. You can't see it. And since you can't see it, then you can't accept that Christ is the Messiah that came to destroy evil in the first century. You have to separate the Messiah that came to die as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world and the Messiah that's coming as a political uh, military leader to defeat all the enemies of God. You've got to separate them by a distance of time, the first coming of Christ and then the latter coming of Christ, the second coming, when he comes and literally has warfare with the enemies of God's people and he literally sets up a kingdom and he literally sits on a throne and all the messianic prophecies now are fulfilled unexpectedly in the first century by a spiritual lamb of god coming and taking away the sin of the world and since what they expected didn't happen then he's going to come finally at the end of all of human history and he's going to literally come as king and literally have wars and that's what that's what the premillennial dispensational theology teaches it's the same mindset that Peter had that rebuked Jesus to his face. It's the same mindset of the Sanhedrin council and the priest and the scribes that rejected Jesus of Nazareth being Messiah and had him crucified because he was a threat to them and their expectation of a Messiah that would come and do the things they expected. So by their hands, they crucified the Messiah, the Lamb of God Messiah that came to take away the sins of the world. They fulfilled the coming of the Messiah's purpose. And they didn't realize that by him doing that, he is creating domination, triumphant domination, victory, over sin and evil and he has put all the principalities and powers in heavenly places into open shame by the demonstration of the cross now can we can we come to a text of scripture that helps us understand that seeing what Jesus sees as kingdom and repenting from the mindset that only sees a material kingdom that Jesus addresses that in the first century with the leadership of the Sanhedrin council. He addressed it. When and where did he address it? Well, let's take a look. Open your Bibles and go to now John chapter 3, and let's read together. Now, there was a, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. He is a member of the Sanhedrin council. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Now, we want to stop here. What What is Nicodemus coming to Jesus for? Is he coming to Jesus to find out why he's doing the thing he does? He makes some statements. We know you're a teacher from where? From God. So he's not coming and asking, where do you get this authority? He's admitting you're a teacher that's come from God. And how do we know that? We know that because no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with you. So we know that God is with you. We know you come from God. Now, why is he coming to Jesus? Jesus didn't get him a chance to ask his question because he knew why he was coming. Nicodemus was coming to Jesus to talk about the kingdom of God. How do we know that's true? Jesus answered him. Amen. Amen. Now pay attention, Nicodemus. This is really important. I, the one sent from God and doing things by the power of God, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Here's what the experts in the original language tell us about this word, born again. Now it's actually two Greek words in the form of communication. Now notice what Laonidas says. Born again means to experience a complete change in one's way of life. To what it should be with the implication of return to a former state or relation. To be born again means that you have a complete change of mind concerning your life and your experience, which would include your expectation. If you're expecting something to happen... But you need to be born again to be able to see it. Then you need to change your expectation and the life built around the, uh, the expectation that you're supposed to have. When you make that change of expectation and your life changes because of a new expectation, then you're starting all over just like a newborn babe or a new birth. That's the meaning of Born again or to be born from above. God has caused you to start over and be reborn with a new mind, the mind of God, rather than the expectation that comes from the mind of men. So when we look at John chapter 3, and he says, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If Nicodemus is expecting to see a literal material kingdom with a literal material king, then he will never see that because that is not the kingdom of God that God has brought upon the nation of Israel when Jesus raises people from the dead, heals the sick, causes the blind to see, cast out demons, and forgive sin. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go and sin no more. Wow, that's the kingdom of God. That's, that's the, that is the diabolical reign of evil over mankind being affronted by the Messiah, the King of Glory, coming to destroy the demons and the power of the demons and the power of sin over the lives of human beings. He is coming to bring to naught, to zero, the power of the devil who through the fear of death is reigning over people. He is coming to war against principalities and powers in heavenly places and to bring an end to wickedness in the realm of the spiritual nature of God's creation, of which man is a part of that because he is a spiritual being as well, but lost because of sin. And so when we look at Jesus' discourse with Nicodemus, of course Nicodemus doesn't understand, can't see what Jesus is saying, and so he responds to, to Jesus with, you know, this the common ordinary man's, Response: How can this be? How can a man enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? That proves that everything that Nicodemus heard Jesus say, he was applying to the physical realm. And so Jesus answers. Now, this is really important. In verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water, and the Spirit. Birth that he's talking about, being born again, is a birth of the Spirit. It is the birth that comes from and through the Spirit of God. It takes place at a particular time when one is born out of water. He's born out of water, and he's born of the Spirit, and if he's not born out of water and by a spiritual rebirth in the Spirit of God, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Entering into the kingdom of God is entering into a spiritual reality, a realm that is just as real as the material world, but none of us can see it with our fleshly eyes, But when we're reborn from God above and we enter into the kingdom, we can see the kingdom of God. And we can demonstrate the kingdom of God in our lives because we have a new life that's been reborn in a spiritual realm. In fact, if you do not have a demonstration of the reign of God in your life, chances are pretty good that you weren't born of the Spirit and you weren't born of God and you're not in the kingdom even if you claim to be so. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Listen to me now, he says, the wind blows where it wishes. The wind, Numa, breath. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound. You don't see it, but you hear the sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You don't see it, but you see the the reaction, the result of it. You don't see the wind, but you see the leaves and the trees shake because the wind is passing through them, and you hear the sound of that shaking. So you hear it, and you can see the result of the wind, but you don't see the wind itself. You don't see the spiritual nature of the breath of God, and so it is with one who's born of God and born of the Spirit. You don't see The spirit, you don't see the king, you don't see the kingdom, but you see the results of the kingdom manifest in their new life, in their behavior. So if you're looking for a material kingdom, you'll never see it. Never. But if you're looking for the kingdom from a born-again point of view, then you can see it everywhere it is in the lives of people who are under the reign of Christ and living it out in their lives. So let's let's kind of summarize summarize this and give it a purpose. Jesus came to establish the kingdom. He came as Messiah to conquer evil and to reign over evil and to create a kingdom that will never end. He came to Israel to conquer evil in Israel, and then he establishes the kingdom so that every nation can have the same blessing as Israel has in the kingdom. In other words, it is a kingdom that's open to all the families of all the nations of the earth. That is what he came to establish. How is he going to win that war? How is he going to overcome and defeat evil? A massive evil of all the wickedness of all humanity for all time? How is he going to crush and defeat the wickedness and evil of the world? It's not going to be by an army. It's not going to be millions and millions and millions of soldiers going to war against the wicked warriors of the world. That's not going to happen. A single person, the Messiah, alone has the power to destroy all the wickedness of all the ages. And he does so in a single event which he came to complete. And when he completed it, He said, it is finished. The war against wickedness and evil completed. And he defeated it. And then they took him off of the cross. Laid him in a tomb. And three days later, the death that follows wickedness is overcome. He was declared guilty by God Almighty, and God Almighty treated him like he was the wickedness of all the world, crushed him. But the Son of God, by the Spirit of God, was raised from the dead, victorious over the death of wickedness and the death of his physical body. And he, was, he rose victorious. We have victory in the kingdom over wickedness And how do we know we have it? We know we have victory over wickedness when our lives demonstrate the reign of righteousness from the King of kings and the Lord of lords demonstrated by the life that he leads and we follow. That's how. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for sin and he was victorious, over sin and was raised victorious from death and he has established a way for you to be declared by God as righteous and empowered by God to become holy. If you believe that, then you're on the right path in the kingdom of God. So now we can see that the reign of God in the kingdom of God supplies everything the citizen in the kingdom of God needs to please God in every way. The king has destroyed sin and has brought in righteousness within the heart and the mind of the citizen by God declaring him righteous. But the king also grants to the citizen of the kingdom the power to defeat in warfare the power of sin. And that is done through the Holy Spirit sanctifying us, leading us and we apply his leadership in the demonstration of the reign of the king over our lives. So we repent and are born of water and spirit to enter the kingdom, and the king gives us the power to keep on repenting and keep on believing, And empowering us to change our behavior from his reign within us, demonstrating that reign in the behavior that we live out in the world. And everyone who can see the kingdom that Jesus sees can see the demonstration of that reign in our lives by the fruit of the spirit leading us in our lives, the world knows we are in the reign of God. My friends, (laughs) that is extremely great news and it is the reality of the kingdom of God. So, until next time, God bless you in the study of His Word. I would like to express how grateful I am that you joined us for this podcast today. I'd like for you to subscribe and like us on Facebook. That would be a tremendous gesture of friendship to us. I'm Lusky Green and we hope that you will have a blessed week.